Hi everybody, it's the Week in the Tackle podcast where we look back at the last week of soccer and, you know, tackle the things we found interesting. It's a very good title. I'm Tom Rennie, the host of the program, the man alongside me, virtually and spiritually, is an MLS legend, an incredibly youthful, zesty character, the star of the US men's national team's recent TV coverage, and a man who might go this entire episode without mentioning all or nothing, the Arsenal documentary, it is Mr. <laughs> Brian Dunny Dunseth. How are you, yeah. sir? You all right? I'm good. I, I enjoy flat bill hats as well. I'm a, I'm a 46-year-old with flat bill. Bring it. That's that's my that's my challenge. You got you got to wear it, Rennie. I think you could pull off a flat bill. Can you describe you can. a flat billed cap for someone who dresses like an adult? Um, yeah, it, it's it's a hat that's not bent or chewed. It doesn't go down. You don't wrap it around your eyeballs like the Tony Miola baseball cap. You just live it nice and flat. Covers the face. Uh, keeps the sun away from. But it's sunny here, man. It was like two feet of snow the other day. We got like 80 degrees yesterday. I'm wearing t-shirt and shorts. Finally out of winter after I missed winter with seven weeks over in Barcelona. And I still have winter fatigue because there was so much snow shoveling happening in Utah. But I'm I'm good. I'm good. I had a great weekend out in Seattle. I'm off to Columbus, Ohio this weekend. I'm taking my middle boy, Micah. He turns 11 next week. So he gets to celebrate in my old stomping grounds. I'm going to show yeah. him my old house. I'm going to show him the old place where dad used to go out. And uh, go visit some friends. I'm going to see my good friend Dante Washington, my former my my, my brother from another mother, and I'm going to get to see him out in Columbus as well. So I'm I'm stoked. I'm excited. And then uh, right after we talk next week, off to Phoenix for the U.S. Men's National Team against Mexico on TNT. So a busy busy couple weeks, man. But I'm I'm good. I by the way, I always enjoy listening to you. I always enjoy listening to your coverage on Sirius XM FC Channel 157 when you're calling a game because I know Tom Henney. I don't get to see him that often. The 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 happy Tom Rennie is what I call him, Tom Henney. Yes. And then I get then I get Tom Rennie. Uh, at some point, it, it's inevitable. It comes yes. out frustrated, angry, irritated. What the flying squirrel just happened, Tom Rennie? What is he thinking? What's the point? What's the point of all of this, Tom Rennie? Um, but I, I enjoy your coverage, man. You are a really good play by play. Yes, I am. I'm very very good. Yes. No, I'm terrific. I'm I'm yeah. probably the best best ever. <laughs> Uh, I should, I should have, get, I should have bigger jobs. And yes. I'm available for work. Um, just feel free to reach out to, to this podcast, and I'll, I'll work for you for money. Um, <laughs> I very much enjoyed the, the Man City game at the weekend with with Jason Dodd, who's such an amazing character. He's such a top lad, and I love the fact Jason Dodd, who was Southampton's all time appearance maker before being overtaken by James Ward Prowse uh, this season. And he talks about all the players like they're his kids, and I just love yeah. it. Oh, lovely from Jamesy. Oh, get Stuart on, get Stewie on. Oh, he's a good boy. Now, usually I hate that from co-commentators, but if you can do it with a charm, yeah. um, it's fine. That is it, great. Yeah. And he was just so funny. I love doing it. Um, and by the, before we get into the show, and I've got loads of topics today, just a quick thank you um, to our friends at Columbus Crew, our friend Ty Phillips at Columbus Crew, who sent me this season's Columbus Crew shirt, which people on YouTube can see behind me hanging on my shirt wall. It didn't take six months to arrive. And so far, no one's charged me any money for it. So whoever did it last time, I'm, I'm pleased you lost your job because Ty did a really good job sending this over. I do look nice in it and I love the shirt. I'm going to go to, to Greece, hopefully in the summer and wear it like every day, like a proper Englishman abroad, wear my football kit to dinner every single day, like mm. you do when you're a kid. Um, 
But you mentioned you're in short sleeve shirts there. I wanted to mention this briefly. Kevin got in touch on, on social media, right? So I posted a picture of me on Easter Sunday, beautiful day, took the dog for a walk in my Columbus Crew shirt, got my wife to take a picture of me on the wall outside our house, which is just a very good photo wall. Um, and this um, goes back to our friend Andrew Williams as well, who sent this to me the last time I got a Columbus Crew shirt sent over. Kevin said, God damn, lift a weight one time in your life, Rennie. <laughs> yeah. Yes, which was a bit, uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, aggressive. it was aggressive. Yeah, it was aggressive. Uh, you're but like yes. a planks man. You're, you're like a planks. Like you get down on your elbows, you get I'm on live. your toes and you're trying to do like core. You're more of a core guy. I, I'm actually, I'm at, I'm quite, I'm good. I've been cycling every day. I'm doing like Have five you? or 10 K on the bike every day. Cause what I'm kind of bike just a standing exercise bike. Not like, okay. a, not like a, what do you call it? The one you got to pay for. I just took a video of YouTube like and done the thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not a Peloton. This is a cheap version of a Peloton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A Peloton in many ways. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, so I've been doing that. So I'm, I'm getting more lithe. I'm down to like 12 Dude, stone eight. But um, uh, So I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Paint me the picture of the bike itself. Like, what, we haven't got the, all day. Like, no, I know, I know, but this is aside. important. No, this is important. because It's not the, important. The, the, yes, because as leaders of this show, we need to understand, we need to paint the picture of who you are outside of the it's soccer It's a standard realm. exercise bike that I like, do a few kilometers on in the day to get thin for the summer. But I so just, can I, yes. Can I, can I tell you what I picture you? Yes. I picture a, a shirtless Tom Rennie with some spanks on as he's pedaling hard. And he's like, honey, honey, ham sandwich, please. I'm parched. I'm starving. Um, well, two things. Number one, I don't own any spandex. And number two, I'm a vegan. Liar. So apart from that, you nailed it. Um, let's get on to the football. Let's get on to some of the football this weekend because we've only got about 40 minutes left and there's lots to yeah. get through. I want to talk to you about a man who definitely works out. That's Konstantin Hatsidakis, mm. who is the assistant referee in the game between Arsenal and Liverpool. Switch that, reverse it. Uh, Liverpool and Arsenal at Anfield this weekend. Yeah. Um, now, he, for those that haven't seen this, I'm sure you have, was being confronted by Andrew Robertson of Liverpool at half time. And Konstantin Hatsidakis saw out of the corner of his eye an angry Scotsman coming towards him. And as anyone would do, flinched and swung an elbow seemingly towards Robertson, to which Andrew Robertson did that thing that you do when you have a row with your fellow sibling in the garden when you're five years old. Mum, he hit me. He hit me, Mum. Look. Look at the blood, Mum. Look at the blood on me, Mum. He hit me. He, he did. He hit me. I was playing with it first, Mum. You know, like a baby, some would mm. say. Um, baby. So um, it's been a big story. It's understandable it's been a big story. Um, what's your take, Dunny, yeah. on this thing that has happened? Because at the moment, <clears throat> yeah. the assistant referee has been temporarily suspended. He's been taken off games this weekend. Yeah. In recent weeks, you and I have had discussions on this podcast about Alexander Mitrovic getting his eight-game ban for a shove on the referee at Old Trafford. We've yep. also discussed Bruno Fernandes, or Fernandes, depending on how much you enjoy your Portuguese pronunciation. Yeah. Um shoving the referee in the back to try and get him out of the way, chasing a ball, what's a good punishment, what's not. I've also spoken a lot previously as well about the treatment of officials by people, which yeah. is one of the biggest and most shameful things, I think, about all football around the world. The referee in this sport is probably given less respect on field than yeah. any other official in any yeah. other sport. So in all that context, Danny, what's your take on what happened here? Yeah, first off, let, let's let's level the conversation at any type there's any situation that leads to a physical confrontation um i have no time for i i, I just don't I, I, as a player 
I've I've gotten to that point. I understand how you get to that point. I, I totally recognize it. I, I took a red card in, in Olympic qualifying and I almost cost the United States a spot at the Olympics in 2000. So I've been I've been in these situations. I've I speak for experience. I'm not surprised it happened. I'm not. I, I I continue to talk about the way that these referees are treated, the way they're surrounded, the the way that they're screamed at, the 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 pontification, the swinging the arms around, the uh, oh, and you can literally read it, their lips. It's very clear what some of these players are saying to the referees. Guess what? These are human beings. These referees are human beings. The players are human beings. And don't think for a second that this doesn't affect them because there hasn't been the right accountability. We talk about respect for referees. And how is it, let's use rugby, for example, how is it that there's so much respect shown to the referees, the power of the referees, and that when the referee says something instantly, even if you, if you do not agree with it, there, there, there's a culture of respect. There's a culture of respect that's been set. That's what soccer needs. That's what football needs. So watching this all play out, I, I was not surprised because I like think about, and this isn't just a Klopp thing. It's not just an Andy Robertson thing. Think about the AR in front, the near side AR on the right-hand side that is in front of the bench. The verbal abuse that he is so used to getting, he or she is so used to getting over the course of their career. Randy, I go to my kids' games. Hmm. And and it's disgusting the way these parents who have no idea about soccer are 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 screaming at the referee. And there's 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 no surprise that there's there's an issue with staffing games because there's not enough referees that are willing to put up with this. <laughs> and that goes to the highest level. Sorry, Tim. I don't know if I have to say sorry for that. Anyways, to this point, the referee's job when the whistle blows is to go meet in conjunction with the other referees in the center circle. Fourth official, air on the far side, air on the near side, they go meet the referee. They're getting away from the players. They are separating themselves as the players as the from the players as the players enter the tunnel. Andy Robinson knew exactly what he was doing. Whatever what whatever was the moment that spiked his anger, it spiked his frustration, spiked his aggression, he wanted to make sure that his opinion was heard. Now, I wasn't there. None of us were there. Unless we tune in the audio for the AR's mic on the near side, then which, by the way, will one hundred percent be listened to, listened to, yeah, uh, and and used in this situation to give an account as to what was said to the referee to get this type of reaction. This wasn't a referee that's going out and throwing haymakers at people. He's not trying to confront Andy Robertson. He's trying to get to the center circle to separate himself from the players so everyone could go in at halftime, cool off, and prepare for the second half. Now, did he elbow him? I mean, he's not like swinging into him. Did he come up in a blind spot and he reacted and got the chicken wing up? Potentially. Is he going to be held accountable? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But we have to figure out a way to have a realistic conversation that isn't just cause and effect, that isn't just oh, he threw an elbow, it doesn't matter what Andy Robinson said. That we go, what, what, what Mitrovic and Marco Silva did and what Bruno did, all of these things have to be taken into account to understand whatever the punishment may be. And there is punishment because he won't be on games this weekend. So there is, there is a, a level of punishment already. But whatever this is, Howard Webb has a huge job on his hands, as does Premier League. 
because the individual teams, the individual managers, the individual players, however they view it, and we can get into Brighton and the, uh, the acknowledgement of mistakes and the subsequent apologies and what that means big picture for their placement and the, all of that stuff. At the end of the day, you got to strip away all this bullshit. Sorry, Tim. I'm on one today. You got to strip it all away. That's two. You have to get to the point where no matter what, no matter what, the heat of the moment, that there is a cultural reset now in the game because far too often we are watching moments which the frustration, anger, red mist, blowing your top, popping off, making horrible decisions. It's not just endangering the sport. The trickle down is not just from that game. It's dribbling into culture, pub, five-a-side, indoor, futsal, high school, college game, kids, club games, club soccer games, even into rec, rec games, rec games. Yeah. I coach my kid. I coach Luca. He's five years old, four years old. Now he's five. He's playing up. Because he's, 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 he's a good little player. He's got two older brothers that beat the living hell out of him. The amount of times where, as a coach, I'm on the field. There's only four, four kids at a time. Parents are literally yelling at other kids saying, that's a foul. That's a foul. These kids are like four, five, and six years old. And they're like bumping into each other or yeah. like kicking, missing them and kicking. So it's dribbling all the way down. It's trickling all the way down. We've got to figure this out. And is there a right solution? I think the easiest solution is to get all hands on deck, face-to-face. Premier League, and this is an MLS thing too with pro, and you've got to figure out, and I've seen this happen because I was a part of it when the referees showed up in preseason and actually played 5v2 with us and like hung out with us. and did, But there's like still an issue because then if we're as players recognize that a, a, a referee can't kick the ball properly or he's a bit of a donkey, then all of a sudden you lose a little bit more respect as opposed to trying to gain respect. And you've got to figure out a way for these players and these managers to intermingle and get to know the referees and Mm. personalize it. Because here's the thing. There is a respect level that will be earned. If these players, and I can say say it from, from my personal experience, the referees that I've gotten to know after the game when I'm no longer a player, and I knew some of them personally, but I didn't know a lot of them. The more that I've gotten to know, or that I've gotten to know the referees outside now as a broadcaster, you get to know the human side. Like, oh, he's not a dick. Sorry, Tim. Like, he's actually a good dude. Like, I should give him the benefit of the doubt. And so what would happen, potentially, is in a situation like this, say for Andy Robinson knew the AR. And like, they they shared a meal. Like, you know, they'd all come in the commissary and eaten together. You bring the referees to Liverpool. You bring the referees to Manchester United, to Man City, mm. whatever. And you just have a meal. And you let them talk. And you let them speak. And you get to know each other. And there's just, it's not like, oh, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt on the call. It's the next time something happens, you're going to treat them with a little bit more respect because they know who you are. You know who they are. And it's not just a figure, right? It's not like, oh, you, blah, 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 motherfucker. You drop it F-bombs all over. You're a fucking donkey. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, but what, what, what's happening here? Like, how'd you miss that call? Like, it's, it's a little bit calmer. I just don't know if making them all friends is the answer. No, not humanizing them, humanizing. See, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's right or wrong and I don't dismiss it because I don't have the answer, but I, I do think this goes to your earlier point of this being such a fundamental issue with this sport Uh, from the supporters singing the referees. Sorry, Tim, for some regions to 
the constant blaming of referees to a point where we brought VAR in and we're going to get to Brighton Tottenham shortly where that's not gone swimmingly well. I think this is such a fundamental issue. And I think that Konstantin Hatsidakis, the assistant referee, for what it's worth going back to the incident, I do think that Andy Robertson was screaming at him, shouting at him, and the assistant referee wasn't quite expecting it and just seemed to sort of like almost try and brush him off with his elbow. Hmm. He's a little bit taller. He's a little bit bigger. He's not some fat referee like the old days. This is a guy that hits the gym. This is a guy that if you run up to him anywhere, isn't yeah. going to just be like brushing that off. This is just a, this is a guy who probably can, can get involved in a boxing match. I wouldn't be surprised to see that but, he did something like that. So that's a, that's a natural <laughs> reaction for him to someone coming up to him and he tried to brush him off. It looks a little bit worse. And I think it is, that doesn't hmm. mean he shouldn't get suspended, which is going to happen. Yeah, He's going but, to. It goes back to that fundamental issue, which, you know, a couple of elements to this, Danny. I want to move us on a little bit and get a couple further questions to you because I think you made some good points in there. Number one is that the culture, I think, is so wrong. And we were doing this this conversation on Grumpy Pundits on, on Tuesday on Sirius XMFC, and people were calling in saying, well, it's a straight red card, straight red card, any dissent, straight red card. How do you fix this straight red card? Hmm. And I have some sympathy for that because I think dissent is wildly out of control. And again, to your point from earlier on, I've stopped playing amateur football at the moment because it was just too many punch-ups. You know, I've been punched in the face a lot over the years, but yeah, in those yeah. days, you know, I didn't have two kids and lots of jobs to get to. Getting punched yeah. in the face is really such a drag, not from the initial pain of it, which is awful, but there's days and days and days and days of it. And often I just wanted to play football and after people <laughs> there just want to punch up and it just, it's just not for me. So football, football as, a, as a player for fun kind of got ruined in that regard. And you need a good referee to be able to control and stop that. What a good referee is, is probably a discussion for another day. But in this particular thing, people are saying, send him off, send him off, send him off, send him off. That's never going to happen because if you get to games of 7v7 and the game gets abandoned, everyone's going to lose out and the officials aren't going to come out well on that. So what do you do? Do you, are you able to have a fundamental shift where you say, look, do not swear at me because I will send you off? And then how many times is that proved before it happens? And if it happens in a yeah. Champions League final, we're then surely having a discussion about, well, look, this is Kevin De Bruyne's last chance to win a Champions League because yeah. he told the, re the, the the referee to F off. He got sent off. Is that fair? Yeah. Is that right? 100%. Again, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if there's a, there's a proper answer to that that I could give you. I, I don't think it is right. And I, if I've paid thousands of pounds to go and watch Kevin De Bruyne, I don't want to see him sent off because he's... He's but Tom, they're targeted. Constantine Hansi Dakis. Hold they're, on, they're, let me just get to the question. I know I yeah. waffled a lot there, but that's because if there's no red, is this a sin bin conversation? Mm. In rugby, is ten minutes off. If the punishment wasn't so severe as a red or so pointless as a yellow, if the punishment was immediate and actionable, like a timeout for a child. Would Hatzidakis have raised his elbow to Robertson if he could have instead gone, you're back on in the 55th minute, get out of my face? Yeah, well, I mean, that's an easy solution. It's the same thing we see in ice hockey. It's the same, it's the same thing. Uh, power play opportunities. Um, even what, last weekend, what was it, the uh, the Boston Bruins, they, they, they was uh, five on three. They were down two men. So I, I think it was, or they're either up, whatever, potato, potato. I was stuck in Dallas, forgive me. Um, <laughs> This is, uh, but again, like, yeah, it's an easy solution. Fundamentally, the rules of the game, IFAB, FIFA, UEFA, Premier League, it's, it's all political. Everything's political. The, the fact that you don't have concussion substitutions right now, Ugh. political, has nothing to do with the safety of the players. So, I mean, by the way, don't think for a, like, as much as we're talking about this, don't think the referees aren't targeted. 
DeSerby literally just said this weekend that we were riding the fourth official like he was f***ing Seabiscuit. Sorry, Tim. Because that's exactly what Newcastle does, or that's what Tottenham does. And yes. Like, that, they, they, I, I had a conversation with a manager who switched his benches one year. And I was like, why did you, like, not for nothing, but like, why did you switch like from the left bench to the right bench at home? And he goes, oh, so I could be, I could, I could have the AR in front of me. And I was like, why would you want that? And he goes, just so I can get in his ear from the opening whistle. And I was like, but what are you getting in his ear about? And he goes, eh, it doesn't matter. Mm. As long as I'm in his ear, I can get the benefit of that on one call. If I start riding him early, that maybe just because I'm in his head talking constantly, that we get a free kick. And maybe that free kick leads to service in the box that gets a header and a goal. Or maybe that leads to a free kick where it's close enough to a goal. It's a free kick on goal. And we get a, you know, we get, get a goal or get a tap in, whatever. That over the course of the season, in my estimation, that the benefit is going to fall in our favor much more than it would me being on the other side where I'm not in the AR's face. I can only talk to the fourth official. I'm like, totally makes sense. I yeah. don't necessarily agree with it. I don't necessarily think it's the right thing to do. But this is, this, the, at the end of the day, Tom, I know we're going in, in a weird way, but there's a game within the game. And whether you're talking about militia, uh, the maliciousness and the mani- manipulation of the referee to give yourself a benefit of the doubt, whether we call it diving or pulling up the landing gear or flying to the ground or any of this stuff, the same thing goes with chirping and talking. Yeah. And for as much as I hate the, the, the cinematics that come with Bruno Fernandes, and the way that he's always moaning and have it like falling to the ground and doing all the extras, there's 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 a manipulation to the game, and we see it. And I think this situation comes back and it bites Andy Robertson in a way that he's not prepared for. Then all of a sudden, with being the aggressor, turns into the victim. Yeah, and, very and by fast. The way, very and, fast. And, and, he went victim the, town, didn't he? And by the way, to your point, like this is the one thing I, I like. I always, it, it whatever is it's true for social media as well, but like. Saying something to somebody's face in a controlled environment is something completely different than, say, being at the pub yeah. or being in the street and winding somebody up and talking to somebody disrespectfully and not expecting someone's reaction. What happened is you got a reaction. Should he have done better? A hundred percent. Should it ever sure. escalated to that point? A hundred million percent. It should have never escalated to that point. Um, two other really brief questions. I know we want to move on. I want to get to some other bits, but let, let, let me just try and keep these, these reasonably short. If Andrew Robertson, if the roles are reversed here and Robertson had the fight or flight response, which I think this was, to the referee who for some reason had run up to him, yeah, what's an appropriate ban for Robertson? We're, we're looking at 8 to 12. 8 to 12. I mean, if Mitrovic is, is whatever, a, a bump and a, a, what we call it, an extension of an arm and a pullback for eight games, I, I think we're looking at 8 to 12. I mean, I I, I could see if, if they're smart, if I would say, this is a referee issue, but this is also a Premier League issue. Because of the situation, the easiest thing is to take him out of the games for the rest of the year. Mm. Just just say, we've looked into it. We feel the best situation is to take him out of the spotlight because you know the next game he's going to be in the spotlight. So why even waste it? There's, what, eight games left, nine games left. Take him out of it and then just start the season next year. Yeah. Then, By the way, in a way, and I know this sounds crazy, but the trickle-down effect off this also includes really teachable moments, big learning lessons from the Referees Association 
in terms of how to deal with this. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it becomes more than just a gentle reminder. Guys, don't get caught up. Guys, you got to ignore all this stuff. Guys, you can't let this happen. Uh, because now you can take this, these three incidents, right? We use Bruno, we use Mitrovic, now we use this one with Andy Robertson. Use these three. When you go and meet with the teams in preseason, or you go and meet with the teams at any point of the year, which I do believe you should meet with the teams at least three times a year, preseason, midway through, and then the run-up for like these last eight, nine games, because everything's going to be much more tense and and, and going to be more aggressive. If you if you do these and guys like, hey, gentle reminder, mm. verbal abuse to the referee, surrounding the referee with multiple players, um, you know, any of this, you know, in, in MLS now. If there's more than four guys that run at the referee, whoever's the instigator, the first person in the referee's face gets the yellow card. And then there's a fine first time. There's a bigger fine double. There's a bigger fine triple. And then there's suspension and all of those things come into play where the manager is being fined as well for failure to control his players. The club is punished as well. Failure to call. There, so there, there are, there's immediate solutions to all of this. Yeah. But how do you get to respect? That's the most difficult thing. Such a fundamental change that we're not going to get to um, in this conversation or at any point soon, I'd suggest. I wonder if this will change in the future if the assistant referees and the referees continue to be as in shape as Konstantin mm. Hatsidakis as opposed to running a big, fat, flabby John Moss. Like it always feels like young, athletic guys shouting at granddad. Mm. Now it feels like, so you got something to say? Shirt off. Hmm. Say it to me now. Unless it's that, Tom Rennie in sexual. a Columbus. Unless it's Tom Rennie in a Columbus Screw jersey. I know. Lift a weight one time in your life, bro. Um, in terms of the game, I, I mean, it was a, the second half was just so fun. It was just so yeah. fun. I thought it was really interesting that Liverpool looked dead and buried. Granite Xhaka wound them all up, and from that point, Liverpool were like, "Oh no, 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 we ain't taking yeah. this nonsense." Yeah. Um, but I got to tell you briefly, I watched it. Um, it was Easter Sunday, and my my sister in law she treats Easter like it's Christmas. <laughs> Bizarre, right? So like, she had Easter crackers, and there was like two egg hunts. It was madness. I was exhausted at the end of Easter Sunday. It was great to have it off for a change. Anyway, um. I watched it with like her husband and there was three or four other people there. They're all Tottenham fans. So they're all desperate for Arsenal to win the league. I'm a bit more you know, ambivalent about it. Um, but uh, it was amazing because everyone is cheering on Liverpool incredibly. And you know when like no one supports these teams, but everyone's into it because this is, it was about as thrilling, Danny, I thought. Yeah. That last 20 minutes as a football match gets. Tell me a bit about your your thoughts on the game, but also your thoughts on the wider context, what it means for Arsenal, because we're in a situation now where it's in both their hands, right? The gap, the points gap has now gone as long as City beat Arsenal and win every other game. Yeah, Arsenal still has to go to City, has Chelsea at home, has Newcastle away. Those are those are three pretty big games, but I guess the 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 luck of the the schedule falls in their favor because they're out of all the other competitions. Whereas Man City still has to handle Champions League. They still have to handle an FA Cup semifinal and potential final. So there's more games to deal with if you're Pep Guardiola's side. Um, yes, uh, it, it's it's two games. It's two games. Uh, and, and it cracks the door open, I would say, not only for the momentum of Man City to continue, but also for doubt to creep in. Um, because we we do see, we ha- we at least have a small litmus test of, when they have a wobble, how long that wobble lasted. Um, and I know there is some VAR, not in VAR interventions that come into play in that conversation. But uh, because there's not a, a big case study with this group of players of how they handle pressure, even though they've been incredible this year, it does at least create that narrative, that conversation. The game itself, um, Liverpool showed all of the cracks that we've seen all season long. 
Hmm. All, all, all the issues that we've seen Tim Horsey ha- were clear and evident in that first 45 minutes. Um, but we always, we, we also saw the moments of brilliance, which led to the seven nil domination and, and demolition of Manchester United just a few weeks ago. So we're, we're seeing exactly who Liverpool is at this stage of the year, an incredible team, an average team, a really, really good team that can create so many different opportunities a team that in the transition, my God, the individual mistakes, the the lack of collective understanding of, of how to deal with transition moments, um, guys that you're like, you're, you're too good. You're too experienced. How, how are you this naive in these moments? Second half, I think the, the cop, the energy, um, the emotion. Uh, and, and then, yeah, I, I think the, the candle wick was lit when Trent and Granite Shock come together. I don't think that's, for me, that's the excuse. Everyone everyone will use that and say, oh, here we go, Granite Shaka, look what he does again, Mr. Tough Guy. He's trying to ants in his pants, everybody right now. Uh, and, and next thing you know, you know, Liverpool gets going. But the missed penalty. Yeah. Um, the f- five or six extraordinary opportunities. And then Ramsdale with two incredible saves Incre- and by the way like not for nothing the story of this young kid not not a young kid anymore but the fact that taking a couple teams down in relegation and to see the season that he's had outside of being chipped maybe from 50 yards uh, a couple of weeks ago he's been really really good um but again I, you know what's interesting it if Klopp's not your guy and Arteta's not your guy Man, those guys can be super unlikable on the sideline with their personalities. Yeah. yeah. Well, what did you make to to Jurgen Klopp not looking at the penalty? He never Assume, does. Assuming that Salah had scored and then yeah. turning around celebrating, and then yeah. he went, "Say yeah. what?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't say it. I can't say it, Tim. I can say it. You can't say it. You can't he say sa- it. He said, "Oh, Dick is fine." Yes, it is not. Okay, understood. Sorry, Tim. No, no, I felt they should both be bleeped, but that was terrific. I thought, and I saw a great article. I, I love when articles give you like, you know, it's like, see which celebrity has lost five hundred pounds, and you click on it, and it's like, oh, they still weigh six hundred pounds. Uh, and it was like, I saw one today, which was, um, what's going wrong with Mo Salah taking penalties? And everyone underneath Nothing. was like, he keeps missing the fucking target. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Like, it's not a... I got don't going. need a deep dive here. I don't need 700 pages. Do yeah. what you're doing, but, like, hit in between the posts as opposed yep. to wide, which I imagine will be Mo Salah's analysis as well, judging by his screaming in pain face afterwards. Um, mm. Look, great game of football. I, I do still think Man City are going to win it. I can't see them dropping any points. I did their game at the weekend against poor old Southampton. And, uh, I mean, they, they just walked to a, a very comfortable win. Uh, I want to talk to you about the Brighton game. It's a bit referee heavy, but I do want to ask you about this because I watched the game in the green room before going on air for, for Southampton next to a Brighton fan who was, was kind of shadowing us for the weekend. A nice guy. and um, But he's a Brighton fan and you wouldn't think he was a nice guy watching him during this game because he was just... Now, we've all been there. And again, you know this. The only time I've really gone after referees was after the, the Chelsea-West Ham thing earlier this season, which might end up getting West Ham relegated still. When Mendy cheated and Corne scored and the and the, and the goal was overturned ro- overturned wrongly and they said it's an apology later in the day, yeah. it really helps. Um, well, there's another apology for for Brighton this week, and I just again 
I'm not going after him. I'll never say corruption or anything like that. I understand why fans do it because, you know, there comes a point where you're so incredulous, you can't understand how something has gone so far wrong. But they've apologised here. So Howard Webb, we are told, has apologised to Brighton and Hove Albion for the penalty that wasn't given, Hoybier's challenge on Mitoma. Now, it's a clear penalty, but I I have some... uh, I always have a little bit of sympathy for the referee didn't see that brush of stud on the top of the foot in that moment. He should have seen it. That's the job. But he didn't see it. That's the way it goes. And and that's why VAR has been brought in, apparently. And they looked at it and they didn't give it. Now, they've apologized for that one. To my knowledge, they've not apologized for the Mitoma goal, where with handball this year, we've had rows about handball. There's the T-shirt line. If you go on yeah. the IFAB website, there's the green zone and the red zone. And the green zone ends at what would be the line of your T-shirt. Now, the ball crossed in from the right towards Mitoma, running left to right, nudged in the back by Romero, who loves kicking people. Um, It catches him quite clearly on the sleeve of his shirt. Hmm. So if we're talking about the T-shirt line and where it is, and that is a variable, it hits him on the sleeve of the T-shirt. It does not hit him on the red zone. It hits him on the green zone. Evidently, looking at the rule book, the law book, whatever. I know they get antsy about that. According to the picture they've given us, and according to the image that I'm seeing, it's not handball. It is not given by the assistant referee. They're the one that says it's handball. So they go again to VAR, and then they stick with the on-field decision. Two times, two mistakes, one Mm. apologized for. They go with the on-field decision. Danny, I want to take us back, and I know you've spoken about this a lot. Clear and obvious error is it's it's nonsense it's wrong it's fundamentally flawed and i spoke to people who actually were involved in the writing of the text for ifab um years ago on shows and they were adamant 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 that clear and obvious had to be in there they inserted that it's been inserted from the outset and has continued to be a guiding principle that's the thing that has to go why because all officials are under this lifelong uh, idea, ideal, that the referee on the field is the right person. They're the decision maker and the final arbiter. And the clear and obvious thing keeps them as final arbiter. What it should be is, is that right? Hmm. Not, are you backing up your pal? Or do you want to make sure the referee's authority is not being questioned? Or any of these other things. And I think that comes into play either subconsciously or consciously in these conversations, because there's no way if that goal was given on field, the Mitoma handball, they overturn it for handball. I don't think the referee goes over to a monitor and thinks it's handball because it's not handball. It hits the T-shirt line and that's what they give us. The Mm. other one, the penalty, if the penalty is given, do they overturn it? No, they don't because it's the right decision. And not for nothing, Danny, as well. Also in that game, two managers got sent off, right? Stellini and Deserbi. Tensions were really high, yeah. But in the actual incident... Every single person is involved from the Tottenham bench and the yeah. Brighton bench, except Christian Stellini, who's the Tottenham manager standing there next to the whole incident, like Liam Gallagher at Nebworth in 96, practicing stillism. <laughs> and he's the one that gets sent off and he turns the yeah. camera afterwards and goes like Jim from the office. What? Can you believe this guy? You know, just they didn't even on the VAR thing. They can correct mistaken identity. Yeah, and they yeah. didn't even correct a mistaken identity because the referee had said it right. It was balls up after balls up. How, why, what? Well, I, I think 
when you're talking about two benches basically clearing and out, completely out of control, of course the ref, the managers are going to be the one that are shown red because they they are the leaders. They're, they're the ones that are responsible. The managers in front of their benches are 100% responsible for the actions of their players. And if it's an individual situation where one of the substitutes or one of the assistant managers or, or one of the staff members or MF and the referee, and they're individually shown the red, then so be it. But again, they are responsible. Tensions were high. They were already peaked and there were some incredulous decisions or non-decisions. Here's the thing. As you're explaining correctly, what is handling when the ball comes off an arm in the t-shirt line, a couple questions, just, just, I, I I don't know. I'm going to throw this out there because I think it's a really stupid rule. Do we judge uh, a goal by the ball hitting a line or do we judge the ball clearing the goal line? Hawkeye tells us that the goal counts when the ball has completely crossed the line. Mm. So right there, just a big question about when the ball hits someone in the arm at the t-shirt line, is it judged as the entire ball? Is it not the entire ball? Same thing goes for throw-ins. Same thing, go, same uh, goal kicks, corner kicks. It's got to be the entire ball. So this whole idea, I've always had a problem with this. Oh, it's the t-shirt line. Oh, it's the green zone. Is it the whole ball? Is it not the whole? Because it's the same. I, I would have the same conversation if we changed the entire laws of the game and said, if the ball comes off the shoulder or the arm, if it's up here, it's fine. If it's out here, it's a handball. It's handling. The, the, the distinctions when we're doing this, I think there's still gray areas. There's still some flux in there. So, okay, fine. It is what it is. It's the way the letter of the law is written. My problem with intervention with VAR is this. Everything happens so quickly. Mm. And the way that one referee is either seeing the game in real time at full speed or is blinded by bodies in front of them or doesn't see it correctly, I still think there has to be, for these critical moments in time, a grace period in which they're given the opportunity to go to the monitor and take another look. Hmm. Because even if the referee does not believe this whole thing about like, is it a clear and obvious mistake? Well, we'll let the referee handle it on the field. That's the way the games, the sanctity and the purity of the game. We should let the referee handle. That's why we have VAR you nuggets because we're trying to get the call correct. So the idea of clear and obvious in this conversation for me is complete BS. Yeah, Because if you have somebody, and I know referees see it completely different, but even the simple suggestion of saying, Tom, I'm going to suggest a review. I do not think it's a penalty, or I do think he's caught the top of his stud, this used his, uh, caught the top of the foot with his studs. Mm. I think you should have another look. The referee then has another opportunity that it's not in real time and it's different camera angles. It's, di- yeah. it's different angles. He's seeing it from a different perspective. 3d, 4d, whatever D 1080 slow HD SD, whatever. He's got all these different moments where he can see it from a different angle and get the call. Correct. Yeah. That was the purpose of VAR. So well, this whole clear and obvious d- distinction for me, we're seeing more subjectivity because, well, if he calls it, yeah, it's not clear and obvious. Well, if he if he doesn't call it, well, it's not clear and obvious. The reality is, teams are dropping points. Yeah, in one of the most crucial phases when we're talking about either a top four finish or a relegation battle in which we've never seen before. Hmm. That's why 
it, it, the subjectivity is too strong with the way that they've written the laws of the game right now and the way they're applying the laws of the game. It, it's just mad to me. That it's not just a phone strapped to their arm like anyone you see running around the park on Saturday morning. And they look at their phone on their arm and they just quickly look at their decisions again to make sure they got it right. I don't know why it's not just that. It's fundamentally flawed because of a principle they decided to put in it from the start. And it just it's like it's like going into a court like you go into a courtroom and instead of it being a search for truth, you're guilty or innocent. It's like you're guilty or you're innocent, but this lot think you're innocent already. And we kind of got aside with them. So whatever you can try and find them innocent if you possibly can. It's like a weighted court of 7030. It doesn't make any sense. The goal should be get the right answer. And it's incredible to me that that isn't the fundamental reason for doing it. And, you know, not for nothing, Spurs who were terrible, again, mm. beat Brighton, who utterly outplayed them for the majority of this game and scored one legitimate goal, one that was probably fairly disallowed because it does hit the hand and go in. And I kind of agree with if it hits the hand and goes in, you should probably disallow it, but we'll have that discussion another day. Um, and, and they could have had a penalty as well. It was all nonsense. Um, speaking of nonsense, oh, let's get to it. Super, super Frank, super, super <laughs> Frank, super, super Frank. What the f*** was that? Sorry, Tim. Um, watching the game of the weekend, I got a lovely text from our friend Brian Dunseth during the game. Uh, and it was just a picture of you watching it on... You're on a plane here or something, I think. Yeah, I was on the plane. I was flying to Seattle. Yeah, you, You're watching the Wolverhampton Wanderers Chelsea game. I was watching I it was in exhausted. the green room. I was exhausted, by the way, and I stayed up just to watch this. And we'd had a chat about this. You picked this on the Friday show as the game to watch. Uh, so I admire your dedication for seeing the, the Friday show through. Um, Frank Lampard at, at Chelsea, literally nothing to play for. All the attacking talent you could possibly want, even a striker in a Bamiyang back in the squad. Wolverhampton Wanderers away, 4-5-1, with a monstrous gap between the five in midfield and the one up front. And if you're going to go into a nothing game against Wolverhampton Wanderers with a frustrated fan base, so frustrated, their questions in the press conference might be 15 to 20 minutes at a time because they have to get all their feelings out to the manager before he's able to give an answer. Hey, Neil, um, I, I just wonder, we love you, really. We love you, really. Um, why on earth did Frank Lampard go into that game like he was still Everton manager? Like it was just, what's the point of bringing Frank Lampard in if he's just going to go in and be a total wimp from the outset? He put on the team that he felt was, and we were intrigued by this because you, you know, you think about Kappa, you think about Rudiger, you, you think about Michael Keane. There's a history of guys that like, aren't his guys. Like he gets into a club, not his guys. Um, so what was going to be the, the ramifications for him coming back into Chelsea? Who is he going to use? Who is he not going to use? Is he acutely aware of kind of the narrative of guys that he likes versus guys that he doesn't? He starts Kappa. He goes with what I would say is a, is a pretty strong for a strong back four. I'm more of a Chilwell guy than a Cucurella guy. That's just me, but it doesn't matter. Bringing in Connor, Connor Gallagher, um, what was I don't say a bold move. Connor Gallagher is very serviceable. I still think that his career lies elsewhere outside yeah. of Chelsea. That's just me. Um, and how many times have we seen Joao Felix, uh, Kai Havertz, and Raheem Sterling up front? So no no real surprises there outside of maybe the goalkeeper and Connor Gallagher. This team just, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. What? Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. I don't know. What, what is this? Like, I don't, I, I see an incredibly talented roster. I, I don't know what they're doing. I, it's, 
you know, and, and whether it's the tactics, um, the setup, the non-setup, the freedom to go express themselves, guys were better than them. Look at the names and the jerseys and the faces and all of this and who you are and what you've done throughout your career. Eh, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I mean, I was, I, I the re- I stayed up solely to badger Andrew Williams, mm. former producer on counterattack, super Chelsea fan on f-ing bearable Chelsea fan. Sorry, mm-hmm. Tim. There's, but, there's other Tim, kinds. Is, that, there, is there another kind? But that one's that one's justifiable because Tim knows Andrew Williams well, and he is he is. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to apologize for that one. I take it back. Um, I literally stayed up just to badger him with Tony Miola on our group text. I was exhausted. I needed to sleep, and I stayed up the entire flight just to watch that game because no, I don't and again, it's the same problem we've seen from Graham Potter to to now. Same same issue for Frank. Okay, you bring on Christian Pulisic in the 61st. You bring in Pierre Mbappé in the 67th. You bring in Mudrik in the 68th. You bring in Ben Chilwell in the 68th. We're going to try to freshen it up. We're going to yeah. try to change our tactics. There's We're no going to get that goal. And then you bring in Chalaba in the 80th minute. Yeah, there's I mean there's no team there and that that that's that's non going. I mean they just want this season over, don't they, Chelsea? They're desperate. They're desperate for Real Madrid to knock him out of the Champions League. Five or six games remaining. Frank Lampard checks everyone's hand and they move on. But but it was pretty bad. Great win for Wolves by the way. Great um win. Did you see that uh, this came from the Sun this week? So, so take it as uh, as, oh as factual. Um, Todd Bowley consulted a famous celebrity mm. um, before he he appointed Frank Lampard. Apparently, he, he took the advice of his uh, personal friend and TV personality James Corden oh. um, before before appointing Frank Lampard. Huge Chelsea fan, yeah, huge Chelsea um, fan. Is uh, he's actually probably our most famous West Ham fan. I know that's what I'm saying. What's the point of? <laughs> James James what? Corden. It used to be Russell Brand, but then we kind mm. of we moved on from him. So we have kind of James Corden now as our as yeah. our most famous fan. Uh, and um, Todd Todd gave Todd gave a West Ham fan a call and was like, burr, burr, "Hello, Cords. Yeah, Todd. Yeah, yeah. I'm spunking all my cash at Chelsea here, son. I'm bolting this right up. What what should I mm. do? Is that a sorry, Tim? It could be. What should I do here, son? What should I do? Todd, Toddy, Toddo. Good idea for you. Fans mm. love this. Gonna definitely mm. win some games. Two words for you, Frank Lampard. Mm. And I bet he, he, bet he holds the phone down like that and turns around to his mate and goes, God, yeah, I bloody got him, and I, I've got him. He's never going to do it. He's never going to. He's never going to do this, idiot. Todd, yeah, James, yeah, still on the line, mate. Yeah, yeah, do it, mate. No, he'll do a good job. The fans will love him. We'll definitely win a lot of games. And Neil Barnett says he's a crack manager. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, he's going to do. It. He's going to do. It. He's going to bloody do it. He's going to call him after this. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, yeah, do it, son. All right, bye. Bye then. Cheers. He's only, he's only hired him. He's mm. hired him. Unbelievable. I just I I want that to be true so much. Why, why not? Why not? Yeah, why why not pick up the phone and call Frank LaBeouf or call some of like the older guys, call Drogba? Well, I mean, yeah, this this is what this is what I never I, I don't understand this. And th- this is maybe just a business thing. I don't understand when, especially being the richest guy in the room. And you know you're not the smartest guy in the room, especially when you're taking over a new business. Oh, the richest guy in the room doesn't know he's not the smartest guy in the room. Come on, I, buddy. You've got I, Twitter. I don't understand why you wouldn't bring together the iconic players that literally led your team to success. Uh, and I know LeBuff is, is way back in the day, but you know pre-Abramovich kind of timeline. Yes. Um, and then the Abramovich timeline, why you wouldn't at least bring guys together and ask them, okay, what are you seeing? 
help me understand. You're my blind spots right now. Yes. What am I missing? Like, well, what surely am I not you've got seeing? to ask America's late night talk show hosts to see which. I, which I just, they would. Do you know two <laughs> of the American late night talk show hosts are West Ham fans? Do you know that? Yeah. Corden and Seth Myers are both West Ham fans. That's and weird, Russell, uh, Russell Brand, right? It's huge West Ham. Yeah, fan but he well. doesn't count as an American late night host, does he? He doesn't. Well, does, does he? Does he have a show? I don't know. No, I, no, I didn't no. know. Actor, he did. actor extraordinaire. Yes. He's in a couple of good movies. Hello, my name But that, what doesn't it make sense though? Like, if if you were if you were going to take over a big club, like yes. say Rennie, Rennie, no no affiliation to West Ham, you were going to yes. take over Chelsea. What, what and literally like scrape no, everybody out? This is like everybody. me taking over an NBA team. Like I came there into an NBA team as a billionaire, yeah. and I was like, right, yeah. you now own the LA Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. Yes, I knew that. Like you're I've not picking LA. up. You're like you call Kareem, you call Magic Johnson. Like you, start, I would call. I would call someone else to call these people for me. Oh yeah, but you get what I'm saying. Yes. Like you, you create like a. I'd probably ask create, Stephen Colbert see what he thought. <laughs> oh, fair. Yeah, that's Fair. probably what I do. Um, I just don't get it. Listen, speaking of things I don't get, I do want to ask you about this briefly. We'll probably have to do more on this moving forward. Um, you know I'm obsessed because my team are in the relegation battle this year mm. with the Opta's chances of relegation thing, where mm. they update it every week, your percentage chance of going up, staying down. Um, currently, Opta have got Crystal Palace at a 0.2% chance of going down. So I think they'll probably be all right at yeah. this point. 33 so points is six clear. Yeah. You'll be fine. West Ham are now at 4.9%, according to Opta, following their win over Fulham at the weekend, which they didn't expect, though they did plan for West Ham to beat Newcastle. So the points is still the same, but in a different order. So anyway, I think it's quite interesting. Uh, Wolves at 5.2%, Bournemouth at 15%. So they think they're the four most likely to not be in the relegation battle in a couple of weeks' time. Leeds have gone to 23%, following their mauling by Palace. Everton, 41%. Bottom of the pile, Southampton, 87% chance of relegation. Forest at 70 The reason I'm bringing this up is that if you asked me this question in March, which you may have done, and asked me about Leicester City they would have had a 7% chance of relegation, according to Opta. As we speak today, 50.9% chance yeah. of relegation. Now, of course, this is all data-driven and calibre of the opponent-driven, so it's not factual by any stretch of the imagination, and it changes. They've sacked Brendan Rodgers, your old mate, who's checking his trousers for, for debris. Right, they could, in my pants. They couldn't get... Oh, he's here. They couldn't get uh, Graham Potter... They tried to get Graham Potter 24 yeah. hours after he left Chelsea. Not going to happen. They then spoke to Jesse Marsh. They know, We know he spoke to Jesse for whatever reason. Talks broke down. That's the official line. Was it Jesse? Was it them? Who knows? Just like Southampton. Um, yeah. Could, could be a long contract thing. Jesse wanted one there and they said six months and he said, well, it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was talks with Rafa Benitez, who was interested. They've gone with Dean Smith. Now, yeah. Dean Smith did a terrific job during his time at Aston Villa taken in the macro of it, got them promoted, yeah. got yeah. them safe, got them to a cup final um, and was replaced by Steven Gerrard. And to to take an 80s comedy punchline, that went well. <laughs> so sacked, now it's Emery, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Went to Norwich, took them down, but they were always going to go down last season. This season, too awful. Why did too he fast. take the job so fast? Yeah, well, didn't make any sense. Less than for, for maybe taken by the likes of Jesse Marsh. Yeah. Took him down, shouldn't have taken it. And he was widely disliked at Norwich when sacked earlier this season. He's come in, brought John Terry with him. He worked with him at Villa. Yep. Um, they got City this weekend, Leicester. So anything you can get out of that, good luck to you. Coming up after that, 
they have home against Wolverhampton Wanderers, who, as I've just said, look like they're out of it now. Leeds United, very much in it, away from home. Then Everton at home, also to play West Ham on the final day of the season. West Ham may well be out of it by that point, which could do them a favour, or it could be a decider. We will see. Um, What do you make to the fact they've gone for Dean Smith? And what do you make to the fact they sacked Brendan Rodgers, tried to go with these two goalkeepers, who I cannot remember their name. I think one is Adam Sandler, so I assume the other one is um chris farley i don't know um that <laughs> that's that, that that's the pairing i don't know where's his name again mikey something mike i don't know what's the other one david spade it's, it must be Spade. <laughs> they tried it for two games lost yeah. them both now yep. dean smith is in i don't know how to feel about it because i do think dean smith is a good manager with a good track record however Agreed. yeah I don't. I just don't know whether they might have been better off. Like West Ham had done with David Moyes and Forrest had done with Steve Cooper. Gone. We cannot get better, so let's not intentionally risk the possibility well, of getting worse. I, I I just think it's ridiculous that they found themselves in this situation. That ultimately they did part ways with Brendan Rodgers when we were talking about in January. Why? why like is now's got to be the time. Like we we were we were listening to the conversations Brendan Rodgers was sending in terms of his messaging in his post-match pressers or his pregame pressers or his interviews. And it seemed like, all right, pay me off. Like we've, you're, you're not giving me what we had. This is not what I signed up for. Um, and my squad just can't compete. Uh, and, and they hesitated and it was weeks and weeks and months and months. And then all of us, you know, finally they decide to go in separate with their separate ways. When we assumed it's too late now, you got to stick with him. I mean, he's a great manager. He's as much as I make fun of him. He's still a great manager. Sorry, a really good manager. I don't know, yeah. a great manager. He, not he very competent. He's, great, he's not, he thinks he's not he's an amateur. Re- yeah, he thinks he's a really great manager. He thinks yeah. he's an elite manager, so that's fine. Um, Dean Smith. I, I like Dean Smith. I, I, I liked what he did at Aston Villa. I think he did a great job uh, managing the cult of personality of a, of a certain playmaker that loves to get a good Chinese after a game in Manchester. Um, and then everything kind of went sideways as they were trying to figure out who Aston Villa was without Jack Grealish. Mm. Um, Unai Emery's done a spectacular job uh, in a short amount of time. But yeah, I, well, I, well, that might be a big topic for us in a couple of weeks as well. Let's oh, wait, keep well, an eye on them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, Dean Smith, I didn't understand why he took Norwich City. Yeah, didn't understand the need to jump into a job right away. I think whether it was born out of anger, frustration, or embarrassment, the way it transpired with Aston Villa. It was not the right move. Obviously, it didn't work out. And so he's had a bit of time off since December, and he's got an opportunity to recharge the batteries. I think it's brilliant to bring in John Terry. Um, You know, John Terry's departure, I think, led to a part of the demise. Um, It certainly didn't help. Uh, And and John Terry's going to try to shore up that back line that's been super leaky this season that was nowhere near i mean uh, by the way does vestergaard come back in uh, just the question for one of the maybe the oh? silliest transfers of all time um so back to basics listen they, they've got some players they, they've got some players that 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 they certainly with this group of players i don't i never saw them in this situation i saw them as a mid-table team i certainly didn't see them with the way that they are uh, they, they won't get anything out of city outside of making it difficult to play against them for as long as possible until Pep side gets that opening goal. And then everything will inevitably kind of fall apart. Um, but wolves at Leeds, Everton at Fulham, Liverpool uh, at Newcastle home against West Ham. They, they've got to figure out a way just to claw points because they are the only team out of this bottom nine 
that have lost all three games in their last three matches. Hmm. The only team. So not surprised that Opta percentage of relegation is climbing by the minute. And it's probably going to hit 60 to 65% after the game at the weekend. The way it's looking currently, as we said a couple of weeks ago, it is looking like a couple are pulling away. Palace are pulling away. Wolves are pulling away. West Ham and Bournemouth. You know, I'm not sure they're both going to be in it in a couple of weeks' time. They play each other next Sunday. So whoever wins that game is probably going to be out of that conversation for a while. A six-point gap may as well be a 500-point gap at this moment with the way that the teams down there are playing. Um, listen, we're out of time. Uh, I'll be doing on Sirius XMFC in America, on in Ghana, Nigeria, Australia, New Zealand, uh, all over the world for, for TalkSports international coverage. The, the Man City-Leicester game on Saturday. Sorry, Leicester fans. Um, that's available online in regions that TalkSport don't have international partners, so across South America where we know we have listeners. Also in Russia as well, weirdly. I don't think we're geo-blocked there. People listen to this show there, so um, head to the website and you can hear full commentary of it. Um, I'm also deciding whether I want to go to Arsenal West Ham at the weekend. I think you I'd rather... I no, want, you got to. Well, got to. Well, I'm going to go to... Um, I'm thinking about going to Bournemouth next week in Bournemouth. Okay. So, I'm, so I might go to that. Um, and I'm going to go to Palace and I'm going to go to Liverpool... So I feel like I might just give it a, give it a, I, I mean, the last game I went to was Newcastle. Have I not suffered enough? Um, so I don't know. I'll let you know for next week's podcast if I was there or not. Uh, Danny, where are you this weekend? Where can we find you? I am taking my son Micah to Columbus, Ohio to celebrate his birthday. we got Columbus Crew taking on the New England Revolution, the number two team in the Eastern Conference, New England Revolution. Only one loss that was on the road at LAFC. They got smacked 4-0 a couple weeks ago. Uh, for Columbus, great run of form. couple of losses early. I think it's three consecutive wins, um, and it'll be a fun one. Great, great new stadium. And uh, I actually, this matchup last year, year before, I called the very first game at the new stadium, and it was Columbus against New England. So excited to go back to my former teams. I played for New England for four years. I played for Columbus for two years, won, won a trophy, won a U.S. Open Cup. Trophies do matter. Sorry, Headley and Tottenham fans in particular. Um, so yeah, man, I'm I see I love that shot. I, I'm I'm excited. It's gonna be a fun weekend for me. This has been Week in the Tackle with Tom Money and Brian Dunseth. The producer was Tim Horsey, and it was fing great. Sorry, Tim. Talk balls. 